Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hi there, and welcome again to the Explaining History podcast. And what I want to focus on today is the response of Gandhi, Nehru, and um, the other leading political figures in uh, India to the fall of France and the successes of Germany uh, in Europe in the summer of 1940, and how that begins to change the political situation in India. Now, if you've been listening to the previous podcasts I've done on the subject of India at the start of the Second World War, you'll know that uh, the Viceroy of India, Lord Linlithgow, declared war on Germany uh, unilaterally without uh, advising or taking the advice of Congress. And the um, political fallout of this was uh, immense. It caused greater resentment. Um, there were uh, divisions already between the uh, Muslim League, Muhammad Ali Jinnah's Muslim League, and the uh, Hindu-dominated uh, Congress party. Uh, and these are accentuated by the outbreak of war and by the um, uh, the scramble for uh, to take political positions uh, as war began. The British uh, cynically hoped for these kinds of divisions. They hoped that they would be able to drive a wedge uh, between the two forces, perhaps bringing uh, Jinnah on side uh, with the British. Um, and these kind of um, crises that are brought to a head in the summer of 1940, and things begin to fundamentally change at that point, uh, as we shall see. Now, today, again, I'm reading from Srinath Raghavan's uh, excellent book, uh, India's War, um, and uh, he writes, The German Blitzkrieg in the spring of 1940 stunned India, as the Wehrmacht punched its way through to the Channel Coast and Paris, a spasm of fear coursed through many parts of the country. After the fall of France, the Viceroy sought information on the impact of German successes on the Indian public. These reports spoke of general bewilderment and some depression and nervousness as to the nearing possibility that India might actually be subject to attack. In some places, there was evidence of panic as well. There has been an unusually heavy withdrawals from the Indian Post Office Savings Bank, a key indication of alarm 
in rural and small town India. In cities too, there were substantial drawings uh, from bank accounts, uh, though there was no run on the banks. So widespread was the panic that even Gandhi felt impelled to issue a public statement urging the people not to hastily withdraw their deposits or turn their promissory notes into hard cash. Your metal buried underground, or in your treasure chests, he wrote, need not be considered safer than in banks or in paper if anarchy overtakes us. He counselled his readers not to lose their nerve or imagine tomorrow there will be no government. Gandhi's thoughts on the panic were prompted by the letters that he received during this uh, period. But he too felt the tremors of the Nazi occupation of Western Europe. Gandhi himself observed that if Britain and France failed, the history of Europe and the history of the world will be written in a manner no one can foresee. Now in the past on this podcast, I've talked a lot about how the fall of France blows the uh, Allied position or Allied war strategy out of the water, even though America wasn't a, a combatant ally of Great Britain at the time, the uh, Roosevelt administration looked with horror at the fall of France and the prospects for um, winning uh, or becoming engaged in, in a future war or supporting Great Britain to stay afloat uh, during the continuing war. And it's clear also from this that the eyes of India and perhaps uh, much of Southeast Asia was on Europe as well. And in those few weeks, that small part of the world from the German border through to the coast of northern France, um, incorporating the Netherlands, Belgium and the Ardennes Forest, was the kind of the pivot upon which world history seemed to turn. And Gandhi, a very astute judge of the way in which kind of historical winds were blowing, was able to see that. As the Germans advanced through the Low Countries, um, Gandhi's political colleagues um, were equally alarmed. Um, Rajendra Prasad, uh, one of Gandhi's followers from Bihar province, was deeply distressed. Uh, he wrote that, um, Hitler seemed to be determined to wipe um, the weaker nations of the world uh, from the map. Um, and he felt that the anger that he'd felt towards the British for unilaterally declaring war in a high-handed and arrogant manner um, was somewhat negated by these alarming turns of events. And this is the interesting bit. He wrote that our duty to help the British in defeating uh, Germany and to helping stop the rot was abundantly clear. And this was uh, perhaps an indication that India's political classes were having um, a real change of heart based on the um, uh, shifting facts on the ground uh, and that this was bringing about fundamental changes in, in priorities. Nowhere in there is talk of how this will kind of help uh, the Congress party to leverage for independence later on. It was a case of um, the British must be supported now really to um, prevent civilization from collapsing. Other members of the Congress party uh, argued for the formation of a, a national coalition government 
to um, steer India uh, through the war. Nehru rejected this. He said, Hitler may win this war, but Hitler will not dominate the world. He will fall as Napoleon fell. Nehru saw in the British um, a people with an immense lack of humility. Um, he recognised that even though bombs were falling on the east end of London, even though the RAF was fighting for its life in the skies above the South Downs, that the British had lost none of their imperial ambitions in India and none of their perceived sense of a right to rule uh, and that there had been no kind of readjustment in the British outlook, no sense of um, diminished expectations uh, in India. He referred to it as a singular obtuseness from the British. And he said that, that even worse than that, the supposedly more progressive Labour Party mirrored exactly the kinds of things that Churchill's Conservative Party uh, was saying when it was in, in government with them. Um, he Nehru suggested um, that Congress should mirror this obtuseness and not change their stance in the slightest. He believed that the British Empire had its day and it was best to let it die. And the war that he believed Hitler would eventually lose anyway would put such intense pressures on the British Empire that it would collapse. And in that, he was actually quite prescient, because that's roughly kind of what happens. He said, it will go to pieces and not all the king's horses and all the king's men will be able to put it together again. So he really did caution that um, pro-British Indian politicians um, keep their powder dry. At the end of June 1940, um, the leadership of the Congress Party uh, met at WADA. Um, in, and it was there that Gandhi, um, who was sympathetic with Britain's plight, looked at things through the prism not of politics but of morality. He asked the uh, working committee of the Congress Party to show its uh, faith in non-violence um, by stating publicly at this moment um, that an independent India would not maintain uh, an army um, uh, for defence against external aggression or internal disorder. Um, this seemed to be at the start of um, a second global war in a generation. Um, and bizarre and obtuse um, statements uh, to make. Um, there were um, plenty who were astounded by this uh, request from Gandhi and dismissed it as one of his particular eccentricities. To rule out a state ever being able to exercise force was um, seen as absolutely inconceivable, especially in, in the present moment. Um, the debate, though, did have um, political undercurrents and it did have political connotations because of the, the, the current crisis. Um, the former Premier of Madras, Raya Golapalachari, um, had uh, led the resistance to Gandhi's arguments um, and he had, um, uh, following the fall of France, uh, seen a, an opportunity. He believed that if a deal could be struck with the British, um, that the British might get the India um, that they wanted 
which would fill the space of a French ally. Rayagola Palachari um, set out to convince his colleagues that uh, now the British were in dire straits, that Indian manpower could be really brought to bear to give massive leverage to the independence movement. The argument quickly gained uh, adherence and um, significant members of the party uh, joined and Gandhi duly lost the argument. But Gandhi asked to be liberated from the um, policy dictates of the Congress party on this particular issue and he uh, asked for this to be publicly uh, announced uh, uh, and acknowledged. And on the 21st of June, the Working Committee of the Congress Party um, published a resolution stating so. And that allowed Gandhi to publicly chart a separate course uh, and make uh, arguments about war, peace and independence that were um, often going to be at odds with what the Congress Party uh, actually uh, actually asked. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Argued. Gandhi's public breach with the Congress party sent kind of shockwaves throughout the party um, as he was the uh, not just one of the kind of the, the leading members of the Congress Party, but the spiritual focus uh, of the party. The Working Committee um, resumed its um, discussions um, on the third of July, um, but these actually exacerbated the situation, the rift between Gandhi and and the party. The um, resolution demanding independence came back on the table at this point, and the resolution um, was an offer. Uh, basically, within the resolution was an offer to withdraw non-cooperation, which had been um, instituted in 1939 as a result of Lynn Lithgow's declaration of war, um, and 
that would happen if central government and including uh, defence and military power was placed under the charge of the national government, not in charge, not under the control of the viceroy. Um, Gandhi said that uh, he was not afraid to wield kind of political responsibility. He said, "Some day or other, we will have to take it." But he's insisted um, it was important to find out first whether Gandhi's approach or Rayagolapalachari's uh, argument uh, was actually favoured by the majority uh, of Indian voters. He urged gauging opinion uh, about India and the war from the provinces first and about what kind of India Indian people wished to see emerge um, as a result of the war, would it be a militarist or a pacifist India? Nehru had argued that actually power had come through non-cooperation. He had said that uh, by uh, refusing to cooperate with the Viceroy, that the Congress Party was actually mirroring Indian people's values um, and the anger that Indian people felt about being included in the war. Now, to some extent, Nehru was right, and to some extent he was standing on shifting sand because the events in France had alarmed people to such an extent that um, preparing India to fight, preparing India to be involved in the war, was becoming not necessarily popular, but seen as uh, a necessity. Um, So, stepping in and seizing uh, control of government uh, and with the um, uh, connivance of the British could potentially, uh, in Nehru's eyes, rob the Congress Party of the the kind of the the radicalism um, that um, connected it to uh, Indian people who were sick of British rule. However, by standing back and also doing nothing, that ran the risk of being seen as complacent during a situation of world war when unfortunately uh, unpleasant compromises have to be made in order to make sure that the state continues functioning and that the the, the public at large is protected from the threat of invasion. The resolution that was put forward by Raya Galapalachari proclaimed that um, if its suggestion were taken up by the government, Congress would throw in its full weight in the efforts for effective organisation for the defence of the country. So here we've got some extraordinary events um, that in a situation which hasn't really involved India in World War yet, but um, where the uh, shift towards global war is seen is almost inevitable that you have these these debates happening within um, the Congress party and it's really a product of the the kind of the uh, chaotic nature of colonial rule of which group actually has the legitimacy and where does political power come from where does political legitimacy come from does it come from the viceroy and ultimately from uh, king george the sixth emperor of india or does it come from the indian people and india is in this sort of uh, hiatus between imperial rule and mass democracy srinath raghavan writes um, of nehru he said, it may be that the dancing star of independence may emerge out of, the, out of chaos, but it may also be that nothing but black clouds may emerge out of chaos. 
So we're very used to looking back and seeing certainties because these events already happened and you know we can uh, chart a kind of a logical path through them. But there was no certainty in Neri's mind that independence would be the outcome of the Second World War, and there was no, it was not a given on any, um, uh, by any stretch of the imagination in 1940 that within seven years' time India would be uh, independent. And Nero also had to contend with the new British Prime Minister, Winston Churchill, who had come to power in May 1940. Um, Nero was well aware that Churchill had been one of the most vociferous anti-independence um, politicians of the 1930s when uh, greater home rule and autonomy for India was uh, a consensus position in the Labour, Liberal and Conservative parties in the mid-1930s, Churchill was uh, an outspoken uh, opponent of any kind of uh, devolution of power. Um, Nehru um, welcomed the fall of Chamberlain um, and he welcomed the, uh, in practical terms, the rise of what he referred to as the far more able and virile Mr. Churchill, and said that England now speaks with a different and sterner voice so far as her defence is concerned, but in other matters, has there really been any change? Um, he was not a fan of Leo Amory, who was the new Secretary of State for India. Um, when Amory took over on the 10th of May 1940, Nero wrote a note on, his, on Amory's passport for Japanese imperialism in Manchuria. In a speech in the Commons in 1933, Nero recalled, Amory had said, uh, Our whole policy in India stands condemned if we condemn Japan, um, which obviously tells you an awful lot uh, about the um, nature of um, political morality in, in, in Westminster at least these times. Leo Amory had lived a remarkably similar life to Churchill. Uh, Amory had been born in India. Um, he'd been one of Churchill's uh, old Harrovians. He'd been uh, at Harrow um, and had gone to All Souls College in Oxford. And like Churchill, he'd served as a correspondent during the Boer War. Um, and like Churchill, he uh, initially um, he went straight into the Conservatives uh, Churchill obviously joining the, the Liberal Party initially. Um, and Churchill, um, like Amory, or Amory like Churchill, was also uh, an ardent imperialist. Um, Amory said, The empire is not external to any uh, of the British nation. It is something like the kingdom of heaven within ourselves. Mixing um, Christian and imperialist rhetoric. Uh, and articulating uh, what uh, many British people, both um, of the elite classes and uh, otherwise, believed at the time that the empire was really um, the, a byword for civilization itself and in, uh, would act as a bulwark against um, the barbarism of Germany. He was one of the few um, mavericks uh, like Churchill, who sat on the back benches as a critic of uh, appeasement. Uh, but when uh, Churchill's administration formed, Amory was given the job of Secretary of State for India, and the policies that Amory um, f pursued were shaped around his kind of Christian evangelism and uh, imperialism. 
uh, he didn't believe uh, in the um, division of India, the partition of India, and the uh, idea that Churchill had of fostering division between Hindus and, and Muslims. But he did believe that religious differences in India were intractable. He believed it was possible for uh, some kind of agreement between uh, Hindus and Muslims in India and that partition should be avoided and it was unnecessary. But precisely what that kind of uh, compromise, what that kind of agreement would look like, uh, is unclear. Amory argued for dominion status for India and that India would have to devise its own constitution. But again, what the constitution would look like, based on the intractable uh, differences of opinion in India, again was, was uh, uncertain. And But even though Amory recognised that there was a huge divide in India, he refused to accept that it was insurmountable. Amory contacted Lynn Lithgow uh, and asked whether the uh, Maharajas of the princely states, the Congress Party and the Muslim League could all be got together uh, in uh, some kind of political union to debate and discuss the war, uh, thus kind of tying them up really, keeping them occupied while the uh, Viceroy uh, took on the job of directing uh, India at war. The uh, response that Lynn Lithgow gave to Amory was rather icy and said, essentially, don't go meddling with things that you don't understand and don't go um, creating the climate for change in India uh, that you can ill uh, control from Westminster. As we shall see, the uh, uh, events were moving faster than the British were able really to control. And in the next uh, few podcasts on India, we'll continue with this story and look at how the conditions of the war shaped the move towards independence and eventually how, by the end of the war, uh, power had drained completely from the hands of the British. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed this and found it useful. Do remember to support us on Patreon, and I'll leave the link below, and I'll catch you on the next Explaining History podcast. Thanks very much. Bye-bye. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. quince.com slash style.